If we break um, the all-time high properly, um, we run through the FIBs and let's face it, 69 to 100,000 is nothing. Hello there, how are you all doing? Welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Gemini, the only place I am using for buying Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack. And before we get into today's interview, I do have a quick message from my show sponsors. This show is brought to you by sportsbet.io, the very best place for online gaming because they're badasses and they accept Bitcoin. Now the football season started, it's been a strange start to the season. Tottenham started well, but obviously they fell apart. Typical Tottenham stuff and Liverpool are crushing it, but it's a bit tight up there. Other teams are doing very well. Now listen, with Sportsbet, you've got everything covered. Not only do they cover football, but they support tennis, motorsports, US sports. They even have esports. And for new customers, there is always a range of promotions available. If you want to find out more, then please head over to sportsbet.io, which is S-P-O-R-T-S-B-E-T dot I-O. Next up, we have Extras Wallet, who I am using as my mobile and desktop wallet for my Bitcoin. Now, as you know, UX is super important to me. So when the Extras team reached out to me, I spent some time playing with the app, and you know what? They crushed it. The experience is amazing, which is why I'm happy to recommend it to you, my friends, and my family. Now, the Exodus desktop gives you a way to secure and manage your Bitcoin in one beautiful application. And with their mobile wallet, you can send and receive safely using a QR code or address, knowing that Exodus automatically checks all addresses for errors. So make sure you check it out yourself at exodus.com or search for Exodus in the Google or Apple app stores. Next up, it's Casa, the safest way to store your Bitcoin. Now listen, forgotten passwords, SIM swaps and phishing attacks, there are just too many ways for you to have your Bitcoin lost or stolen. But with Casa, you never have to worry about your Bitcoin again. Because with Casa's multi-sig wallet, you can take custody of your Bitcoin, but only move by signing transactions from multiple wallets. Ones that you get to distribute into different locations, which is going to protect you from a range of mistakes, errors and vulnerabilities. Now, if you want to find out more, you can reach out to me over email or drop me a DM on Twitter. I've been a customer for over a year and I'm happy to answer any of your questions. There is no better time to upgrade your Bitcoin security and get total peace of mind. You can find out more at keys.casa, which is K-E-Y-S dot C-A-S-A. How are you, man? Are you well, Willie? Uh, yeah, pretty good. It's been a great year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, solid year. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. We got there, man. Been a weird year. They all are, aren't they? Um, and when you talk about worldwide, you mean like the world turning to shit? Yeah, it's a weird year. Yeah, one, the world is freaking out. Two, Bitcoin's been all over the place. Three, I bought a football club. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that's awesome. <laughs> I, had, I had to drop that. Let's talk more about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're officially, you're officially a baller now. I am a chairman of a of a small little football club in Bedford. Let's come back to that because you know what? People keep bitching in the YouTube comments. Keep saying, you keep getting on Willie. You, you don't talk about price. I like, come for the price. And I was like, <laughs> like, yeah, but I like talking to Willie about the other stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Price is kind of boring, right? Unless you're trading. <laughs> case, you know, it's not. <laughs> Yeah, the price has been um, the price has been all over the place this year. I mean, what did we do? We where did we start? I don't even know where we started the year. Well, let's go back to January. January the first, we were on twenty eight thousand seven hundred was the low on January the first. So we've essentially doubled this year. Mm-hmm. But really, we're we're exactly where we were on the twelfth of February. <laughs> so we've kind uh, of been up yeah. and down, but sideways. 
Yeah, that's true. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's certainly different from what we expected, right? Um, and I yeah. think what we expected in our naivety, maybe not Dan Howard with his super cycle, but most of us were like looking at um, past cycles, which were really, you know, very much a template of um, kind of the dinosaur age of Bitcoin. And what I mean by that is that um, there's a very, very simple ecosystem back then, right? Um, you've got people who buy it, you have people who trade it, and they buy the coin, they move it on to exchanges, they buy, sell. They're all spot exchanges. And um, you have infrastructure that is, um, there's two kinds of infrastructure on um, Bitcoin. One is the network infrastructure, which is the miners. And the other one is the spot exchanges. And so whenever you have infrastructure, that means that they are providing services to the network um, in exchange for revenue. And that revenue obviously is in Bitcoin and it gets sold down. So, you know, the halvening in the four-year cycles is effectively the infrastructure selling down and the halvening halves every four years. So the um, sale pressure reduces every four years and it creates a very simple slosh. Um, and, you know, the spot exchanges, they would sell, you know, they, they, there's some amount of difference in it. But, like, suddenly, suddenly um, after 2017, 2018 comes around and BitMEX is is now doing huge volumes. Majority of the, the trade volume is going through BitMEX because they're using this new perpetual swap um, contract, which is effectively um, the invention of nuclear weapons. Um, you know, what? And, and it's, it's the invention of nuclear weapons, right? So if people sell down, it sells down. But now we've got like um, a futures exchange, which like with 100x leverage, um, which retail love, um, it's a lot of fun. And so you're in your positions and um, you get liquidated. And so that's the nuke. You get nuked, right? Uh -huh. Like um, if a whole bunch of people on the wrong side of the bet, um, they get nuked. And um, it's a strategic game that you can play as a trader to take out the other side and nuke them. And suddenly you'll see the price changes, right? The, the bats up and down, everything's weird. And these funding rates you've got, you now this is the start of derivative markets. Um, and along comes 2020 to 2021, you've got institutions coming in, you've got like Michael Saylor coming in with with, with the corporate side. Um, now, 2021, we've got like um, ETFs which back onto futures. And so it's a very sophisticated market now. And so that's the big thing. It's no longer simple. It's no longer spot buying. It's no longer um, the, the, mainly the, the miners selling down. You've got a very complex... Um, ecosystem and um, unfortunately for some you can't template um, this like um, like very simple demand and supply curve which you know which often runs away into a FOMO and a mania stage and you just don't see this kind of stuff on mature markets like um, equities right mm. it's like if it overheats there's a lot of incentive for other people to take short positions and take the heat out of the market. And we saw that in um, leading up to May before we got a 50% correction. And effectively what that did was it took the heat out of the market and we didn't get this um, mania phase and, a, um, you know, kind of valuations on the Bitcoin network that was well in excess of um, 
what people had paid for those coins. Um, you know, that's mm. measured by um, MVRV ratio as a technical measurement of what people paid and what the market prices are. And we never reached those heights. And I don't think we will ever do that again because the sophistication of the market is there and we're not getting um, exponential um, parabolic kind of runaway tops and a blow off. We're getting rounded tops and that's a sign of um, institutions coming here and shorting it some of them are not actually taking positions they're just getting yield out of it um, it's it's a different ball game so um, this is why like I think Dan Howe was prescient of um, this kind of super cycle I'm calling it the last cycle and it's just basically uh, we're not doing this experiential thing uh, we're not going to blow off we're not going to have one year of waiting for a bear market for it to cool off we just had one we 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 went to 64 or something thousand. 64 we yeah pulled we pulled back to twenty nine thousand. it took about four to five months to cool it off and we're back up again right and um, actually structurally we're reaccumulating we're really you know very much similar to the phase we were um you know do you remember when we yeah, it's sort of like the late end of 2019 to um, the 2020. We did that reaccumulation, and then we did another run up. Um, and I think that's more of a sign to come. We're uh, we're 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 going to do a kind of a random walk of demand and supply upwards and upwards, um, and and probably less predictable in terms of these four year cycles, which I don't think is valid to template anymore. So that's that's the main thing. I've learned a lot. Um, just from, I think a lot of the people that have come into the space in the last year that, well, they've been here, but they've been more vocal, um, that have come from traditional markets and understand um, derivatives, um, cash and carry trades, effectively um, much more of the um, like ecosystem you see around like traditional assets where it's much more mature. Um, you know, Preston Pish comes to mind, um, you know, Plan B, they all come from um, traditional backgrounds, um, even like um, SBF, who's, um, you know, he, he had he carries a lot of that that information, having worked in, worked in um, sort of Wall Street-y type um, ventures before setting up Alameda, and now he runs FTX. Um, a lot of these guys have come in, and I think we've, we've learned a lot um, as Bitcoiners. You know, I came into this as a, a technologist and, like, you know, you know, stumbled upon the on-chain stuff. But, uh, yeah, there's all this other stuff coming from Wall Street um, that, like, has been really interesting to learn. And um, I think it's been a learning journey for all of us this year. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing I take out of that is where you said it's, you know, these things don't happen in mature markets. We've now got a we've now got a mature market. And if you know, if you want those kind of crazy wins, you can go into the altcoin market. There are always going to be these fast moving upswings on new altcoins. But Bitcoin is now a mature market. And I've always I've always said, Willie, I've been saying all year, I want the cycle to end. I want the cycle to break because I want the market to mature. Because you know, these massive fluctuations in price, I think they hold back entry for certain people. I think it makes it more difficult for people to come in. So a maturing Bitcoin market, especially as we now have nation states, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that, you know, like the kind of things we saw in 2017, which was, uh, well, it started earlier than 2017, but that particular cycle was a 100x on Bitcoin. And of course, we weathered immense volatility. And um, 
know, the average person on the street will think 100x in that time frame. Um, it's just stupid. You know, it's just like there's something wrong with that. Like it's a it's a scam. Um, and they're much more interested in lower volatility and um, something that's a reliable gain. Um, and I know that like, you know, particularly family offices in the US, um, they're much more interested in the like the gains that Bitcoin um, promises to make, um, not what it has made, which has been higher, but the promises make um, are roughly currently about 110% annualized per year if you follow the trajectory that um, the stock-to-flow model um, projects going forward. Um, it's 110 annualized, right? So that's that's pretty high, and it's it's believably high as well. Like, you can do that um, in exotic instruments. Um, but, you know, the downside um, risk is very, you know, we've just pulled back, how much is it, 30 mid 30% um, like in a matter of weeks and so um, they're not so interested in experiencing the downside, they'd much rather have less risk and um, I mean they they don't care necessarily about um, the 100x, it's really about the risk adjusted returns um, and particularly you can, you can put them yourself in their shoes, you, you're managing 100 million or multiple hundreds of millions you don't want to see your portfolio swing downwards like that. Well, retail can handle that if they're hardened um, hodlers. But um, once you, what, what, you know, imagine losing $30 million over three weeks as in a particular drawdown if you're fully exposed to Bitcoin. That's not really on um, managing that size of money. So um, as this thing matures, I think I agree. It's like it becomes more attractive. And I mean, even Michael Saylor said that, um, that like, Reach the, the the high net worth want to buy the top, like, but they don't want to buy Bitcoin when it's like a four billion dollar asset class. They want to buy it when it's above one trillion dollars because it's sufficiently de-risked. Whereas we want just want to buy low. <laughs> yeah, we want to buy it at one dollar, right? But um, these guys are very sophisticated around risk, um, and you know, honestly, if you bought Bitcoin at one dollar, the risk was unquantifiable. Um, really, there was no way to quantify that risk. Um, you could do it numerically, like, wow, that's the volatility of my returns is really like off the charts. But, you know, like the risks that you can't quantify, quantify is will this thing not be hacked? Um, will the government stamp it out? Um, you know, all sorts of stuff you can't even think of. Like um, it's very hard to quantify. So um, it's it's getting into that region where, you know, if you look at El Salvador coming on board, it's obviously been sufficiently de-risked for a nation state now. It's had 12 mm-hmm. years or maybe 13 years. It hasn't been hacked. The protocol runs, so that's good. <laughs> um, volatility is sufficiently low for um, you know a nation state to now adopt it. Um, still pretty high, but like the upside is is good. So yeah, I mean, like, it's a different round now, um, and it's good for I think geopolitical. Um, Sort of the, that that sort of game, which is you know, so many people in retailer and in that like DG and I want hundred X, which is fine. And the bitcoins are sitting here talking about this is hard money, and we we're at a, a geopolitical level. Um, we can really impact the future of the world as it goes forward. They're two different things. One's number go up like insane for myself. The other was is um, impact 
um, geopolitical impact. And I think they are two different things. Um, yeah. Yeah. So do we? Th- are we, are we giving Dan Hill the credit here? Are we saying that his super cycle theory might be right? I, I'm trying to remember what he said. He said it will be a super cycle if we don't have a blow-off top 80% drawdown. I think that was... He said if even if we drop like 50% but carry on you know, growing, essentially we're in a super cycle. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think he's right then. I didn't read the article, honestly. <laughs> I just like gather from conversation. But uh, yeah, no, I think that's right. I, I would have done it on um, not only to draw down, but I'd do it on time to recover. Um, so, you know, like a data percent or drawdown, you could actually do that um, through a liquidation crisis and it bounces back up because some exchange, um, you know, fails and it pulls everything else down, mm. which, you know, has happened. Like Coinbase screwed up at one point and that's part of the index prices for the futures exchanges. Um, for the Petra swap contract, which is the most liquidly tradable contract. What happened there? So effectively, um, Coinbase, that, that price started dumping because they were inundated. Um, the API started failing, whatever. Um, but I know that like many people couldn't buy the dip. And so the price kept coming down. And because Coinbase is one of the exchanges that, um, you know, when you do a perpetual swap contract, um, you need to know what the price of Bitcoin is. And, um, and so you get a basket of exchanges and then you run some sort of average um, over those exchanges and that gives you the price of Bitcoin. And um, the price of Bitcoin on spot exchanges through their indexes versus the, um, the, what, what it's trading around on the, on the derivative markets, that differential dictates the funding rates for long and short. So once you screw with the index, um, so suddenly Coinbase, which is a big part of that basket, started dumping because they had a bug um, or some overload and people couldn't buy it. The whole index got out of whack. And mm. then so eventually, so all the perpetual swap guys, the guys on derivative markets going, whoa, um, you know, we're trading way too high above what the real price of Bitcoin is. No, it's the broken price of Bitcoin because Coinbase had a bug. And so um, they all started selling down and put immense um, sale pressure. So the whole thing got out of whack and we went into a, a spin, downward spin until, um, you know, someone like bought the bottom and Coinbase fixed the, bu- the bugs or like got their systems back online. So that's how fragile um, the ecosystem can be. And like, sure, you could get 80% drawdown and then it'll recover very quickly. Um, it's more of this long, longer, it's like drawdown plus length of time to recover because that, the yeah. long time stuff is real. This stuff is just, um, it's kind of like Wall Street and why they have that big red button to stop everything because the bots have gone berserk. Um, this is kind of similar. Damn. Well, it's been an interesting year. We we didn't get these uh, 100K like we thought. Well, I mean, I think people started even more bullish expecting maybe 250, 300K. We didn't get the 100K. Uh, I've crushed my bet with um, HODL. I mean, I don't think we're going to get to 300K in eight days. I think I've won that bet. And uh, do you know what? I actually, I, I offered him a double quits bet a couple of months back. <laughs> I turned around and I said, I'll tell you what, I've probably won that bet. I'll go your double of quits. It won't break 100K. And he was like, ooh. And I think I would have won that as well. But obviously, we didn't get, we didn't he get didn't to do it. He didn't take it. Yeah, I thought it was a good bet. 
Um, I, I, I was like, what's the lowest I would go? And I thought maybe like 85, maybe 85. Because yeah, when we got up to 69, I thought, here we go. We're going to push to 100 now, but it didn't happen. Uh, no, it didn't. Um, yeah. So like, what do you think about next year then? Like, And has this changed the way you analyze the data? Like yeah, are you having like to everything. rethink everything? Everything changes. Um, like, you know, on that topic, what the top is, like currently the model says 215, right? But that's not, we're going to be at that price. It's that, um, that's the upper bound price for Bitcoin using this model. And um, that you only get that on a runaway um, parabolic mania phase top, which we never got. And really, I don't think we'll get that again. So I don't think, like, if we, like, this is, the prediction was, if we have a mania phase, it'll hit the upper bound, because that's what all the mania phases are hit. And um, the upper bound currently, earlier this year, it was, it was tracking. You didn't know what it would end up at, but it was tracking it between 200,000 and 400,000. And now, now we're into December and it's, it's $216,000 right now. Um, that's the upper bound, um, but we haven't had the mania. So like we're actually right in the middle of the zone between the bottom and the top. And um, it's very cool right now. Um, but um, having said that, to answer your question going into next year, it's, um, I think it, one thing we're gonna learn um, is that the four year cycles are dead. Um, and then we'll probably have to decide whether it's lengthening cycles, which I don't think. Um, lengthening cycle, by the way, is like this idea that there's more and more weight in the system. So these oscillations of bull, bear start to be, you know, bigger momentum and longer time frames. Um, and um, maybe we won't learn that this year. You don't think that's possible? No, I don't think that it makes sense. I think that, um, I think that, um, like on fundamentals, we we have a four-year gravity um, orbit around the halvening. Um, so that's the mining infrastructure. Um, so that's like one wave every four years. And then we have a macro cycle correlation, which is to traditional assets, which are like we have bull bear markets every what? Um, is it 10 years or so? Mm-hmm. Roughly, it's kind of random. It could be up to 14 years. Um, so that's another great a wave of that's another sort of wave of a, like a decade long cycle, and that's getting a gravity pull to the correlation to traditional assets, and then you have um, you know basic demand and supply of you know the the um, like we had earlier this year where there was a lot of FOMO and then that cooled off and all of that FOMO and then cool off has its own cycle within our industry which creates a a wave of demand and supply. And um, that's different. So you have all these different waves on top of each other. And so I think that um, the the main one is the the halvening. And the other big one is correlation to traditional assets. So we're um, about to escape the gravity of um, the halvening. And we're going to enter a new orbit around traditional assets. um, And that and that is like a decade-long cycle, and so it's binary. I think it's it's binary, and we go from four years to a correlated asset to um, traditional, and we have little wavelets, which are our internal um, sort of infrastructure, um, like pulses, which are like looking at this, it looks like every six, six or eight months that's happening right now. Um, so, yeah, I think it's like, 
binary. We go from four years to ten years, and Damn. little wavelets on top of that. How does it? How does this change how you analyze the data? Uh, mainly, um, it's the fundamental of what's going on underneath it, right? So, like the prices, like the result of all the pushes and pulls, and so. Um, it used to be very simple. It used to be just on chain, but now I have to understand how um, the derivative markets are working, how the ETF is like backing onto the CME on futures contracts. Uh, so it's really um, it, it goes beyond just on chain. It, it now needs um, really a good understanding of everything. I'm even needing to track um, corporate treasuries like. Now that like we've got this wave of public companies that own Bitcoin, they don't appear as whales um, anymore. They have to be known, um, you know, public companies, and those coins are, are held by lots of different people. Um, so it, it ultimately means I have to track um, a broader ecosystem to get any kind of reliable signal from um, the on-chain stuff. But the on-chain stuff still, still works. Um, a lot of the indicators that were built early aren't so useful anymore. Um, and now I really much rely on um, on-chain demand and supply. Um, and that, you know, I work with Glassnode and they do a lot around um, this thing called liquid supply. And um, that's a lot harder to fool as the whole ecosystem changes because this is looking down into effectively the forensic history of um, investors. And you can actually, you know, say this guy's a hodler, this guy's a trader, this guy's um, sort of a medium-term swing trader. Um, and you can classify, not you, you look at the address spaces, but we're not looking at addresses, we're then... Figuring out those addresses mean one individual investor based on the paths of transactions between it. And we're looking at individual investors as cohorts to go, okay, this is this is like Michael Saylor guy. He's just stacking. And so if that guy that's stacking, very seldom sells, starts to unload his coins, we're in trouble. Uh-huh. You know, so, you know, and this cohort is like, they'll, they'll buy, they'll sell, they'll swing traders over a certain period of time. And these guys are pure speculators. Um, that they, they, they zero out all the time. So that kind of stuff becomes um, much more useful. Like, And it's kind of a cat-mouse game because so much of the blockchain has changed. Um, so much of it has gone on to like, derivative markets and so forth that um, we're only capturing a certain part of it. And so that certain part has to be very, very accurate. And um, the, the data science behind it has now improved a lot. Um, yeah, so... But that, that's a lot of Glassnode's work. Um, what do you think of Sailor buying how much he's bought? Was it there are like 120,000 Bitcoin or something? And he's declared he's got 17,000. So do you think that's a risk for Bitcoin now that he has that much? Because like you're, you're basically saying if it's almost like he can't sell because it will damage his own uh, position. Because if he starts unloading, but when we say unloading, when it feels like he's going to unload a lot, or do you think he can get away with like if there were small bits, he would unload? I think there's risk in it because it's just one person that's the CEO of MicroStrategy that is in command of those coins. He's not the owner of those coins; he's in command of it. So, mm. um, but I, I I think if you were to break it down a bit. Um, 
his course is set because those coins, again, are not owned by him. Sure, he owns a lot of it because he's got a big majority stake in the company, but um, a lot of the coins that he owns aren't actually um, from you know, the, the cash reserves of MicroStrategy. Some of it is from convertible bond offerings. So it's these kind of secondary derivative instruments that um, he's created, and they have terms and conditions on it. And so, um, and those coins are effectively, um, you could say they're owned by other people. And so he's got to comply with um, that, what, what he's what he's got on those contracts, which is effectively, um, I'm going to pay you this amount of interest, um, and if and and you can convert into MicroStrategy shares um, at a certain point, which is effectively getting claim on those bitcoins. Mm. Um, I I think it, the whole plan screws up if he starts selling them. Um, yeah, and it's a five year plan, right? So I wonder what I wonder what the succession yeah. plan is. There must be some succession, somebody that powerful, important. Yeah, I, when I had my little agency, we used to have certain things in place uh, for if something would ever happen to one of us, get sick, die, l- you know, lose our shit. Like we had to have some succession planning for different scenarios. I wonder what the succession planning is for that. I don't know. You should ask him. I think. Uh, yeah, I think it will. There was a very good interview you did with him. Um, it's, but yeah, I, I think the course for Market Street is set. It's going to be, mm-hmm. you know, you just blow up the company if you turned it the other way, even beyond Michael Saylor. Um, yeah, it's, it's a centralizing city that has, um, you know, a governing, you know, a few people that control it. So, you know, it's not the most ideal. But having said that, I think people think it's MicroStrategy owning all these coins, and it's not. It's like a whole lot of unknown um, investors and we cannot rule out, and I would say almost certainly, some of that Bitcoin exposure are other companies in the in the Fortune 500. But we don't know. You know, it's a lot easier to say, "I'm going to buy your bond offering." Thank you. Done. Sign. Tick. Don't have to figure out anything else like custody and um, and whatnot. It's just it's just easy. But they do this all the time, so it makes sense. And I so I think that. You know, we look at the coin treasury in these public companies and it's like MicroStrategy and it's like huge. And then it's like, where's everyone else? Well, they probably haven't disclosed it, but they probably bought into the bond offering and they have exposure, but it's not been announced um, yet. Uh, So, yeah, I think it's not as, it's almost like MicroStrategy is, you know, coin-based custody for Fortune 500s. Hmm. So, so next year, do you think we go all-time highs? Do you think we go sideways? Do you think we maybe bear market down a bit? Like, I, I know it's oh, so well, hard to tell. It depends on I so mean, many different things. Like, of course, we go all-time high because, like, yes. unless, uh, yeah, unless Bitcoin fails, right? All-time high is sixty-nine thousand. I got a chuckle at that, but it's sixty nine thousand, right? It's uh, we, so we, we got to break, yeah. We we got to break hundred k next year. If we break um, the all time high properly, um, we run through the fibs, and you know, let's face it, sixty nine to hundred thousand is nothing, right? It's only like a fifty percent gain for Bitcoin, which it does quite regularly. So um, yeah, uh, 
Uh, yeah, all-time high, sure. Um, where will it go? Um, let's have a look. Um, I feel like I want to have another bet with Hoddle next year. I feel like he needs he needs a chance to win one back. Yeah, probably. Um, it's like, I don't know, it's like the, the stock to flow still, really to me, stock to flow is just um, this really nice chart that figures out the progression of the price increase. Um, if there's a good um, like narrative model around it, around scarcity, and he's using that, but like the mean the premium, so the linear regression he does on it is basically the method in which he just tracks the, the current growth rate of Bitcoin and we can just continue to do that. And I would say we will be like the right in the middle of it. It's like $100,000 by the end of, um, no, wait. Yeah, I don't know. it's about $100,000 by the end of next year. And whether we whip up or down, yeah, it could go much higher and it could come back. And But the, roughly the middle line is somewhere around 100000 just eyeballing it. Um, so, you know, like we had that crazy run-up late late 2020 and um, it's taken us most of this year to cool off from it. Um, so, yeah, and, and it wasn't like, actually it wasn't overheated until such time as May when everyone dumped their coins. Um, so, like, actually, it was a fair valuation of Bitcoin at that sort of $60,000, but then everyone dumped their coins, um, which is very different. Like, prior tops were, like, um, on-chain mon- valuation models were, like, I don't know, one-third of the price that market was trading at. Um, so it, it was very different this time. It was, like, fundamentally, people dumped their coins, so the fundamental valuation dropped Um well, I've got no idea of then what's going to happen next year. Basically, anything can happen. Yeah, well, how do you feel about um, how do you feel about the regulatory risk and the systemic risk with, like, say, the World Bank um, shitting on it? And honestly, like, when you talk to normies, they'll tell you all of the fear and fud that's coming through the media from governments, central bankers, politicians shitting on Bitcoin. Like, that's the majority out there, and we're in this tiny little bubble. Like, how do you feel about that risk? Because now Bitcoin is a target. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I don't feel, I don't feel, I feel like the regulatory risk is really a lot dictated by what the US does, right? Because let's be honest, they, they control a large part of the world and the way institutions make decisions. And I feel like we're starting to get really good regulatory protection in the US. There's a lot of senators and congressmen coming out in support of Bitcoin. And actually, you know, for a couple of good reasons, uh, I mean, there's job creation. That's what, when I was in Texas with Governor Abbott, that's what he was saying. is like, bring your mining companies here. You won't pay. Mm-hmm. There's no income tax. And uh, and we support you. So there's, there's actually job creation. There's also a considerable amount of the Bitcoin wealth that's held in the US. You know, why would they want to destroy that wealth? And then, yeah, another, re- another thing is it makes them at a very competitive, like competitively advanced an advantageous position to China, who's effectively banned Bitcoin. So I think you get a lot of regulatory protection from the US. And if the US is, you know, I don't say pro-Bitcoin, but kind of neutral-ish, you know, and evens out neutral-ish, I think I'm less worried about the regulatory side now. I think, I kind of think we're past that. Yeah, I think um, with this, is, uh, I think actually the 2022 onwards is pretty much a big 
sea change and that, um, you know, I think, what is it like? What are the numbers? It's like we're getting around, we're def- definitely above that sort of, um, what is it, 13, 14, 15, 16, someone, you know, like adoption S curve. What is the, like, the early mainstream to cross this chasm? That, the U.S. is there. We're between 15 to, to 20% of the U.S. population, say, depending on who you listen to, have exposure to, to Bitcoin. So that's a political force. And, um, and the industry is pretty mature now. And um, it costs less than $50,000 in terms of a donation and contribution to a senator that you can now pretty much lobby and and push just like you know big big anything industry lobbies um, for their rules um, to be put forth um, we're in that, that that stage now where very much a lot of bitcoiners are like supporting candidates that they want and they have policies that they want to push by effectively contributing to the the, the politicians that are going to step up and um, lobby for you know that side of things so Maybe um, 2022 was that start of, um, you know, Bitcoiners and crypto industry as a whole um, being a political force. Um, that's real interesting in the in US. You can't do that in China, obviously, but the US currently has that sway. So it's, it's interesting, even though the US dollar is the main reserve currency for the world and it stands to lose the most if it goes... Um, I think if it, if it loses that reserve status, um, it loses it a lot. It loses, it loses its business model. Before we carry on with the interview, I do have a quick message from my show sponsors. And this show is brought to you by Compass Mining. And you know what? They're not just a sponsor. I am also a customer of theirs, and I am now mining Bitcoin. And you know what? I've been mining for three months now. I've already paid off one of my S19s, and I'm close to paying off the second one. It is so good to be back mining. And you know what? I just really love these guys. Compass makes mining accessible to everyone, and as a Bitcoiner, I'm happy to be supporting the decentralized growth of the hash rate. It was so easy to get onboarded, and now anyone can mine Bitcoin with Compass. You just pick your machines, choose your hosting facility, and they will do everything else for you. If you want to find out more, please head over to compassmining.io, which is C-O-M-P-A-S-S-M-I-N-I-N-G.io. Next up is BlockFi, and you can now earn a $250 bonus in Bitcoin when you sign up with BlockFi, as they have recently launched their BlockFi Rewards Visa signature card. Now, for people in the US who own or are interested in owning Bitcoin or stacking more sats, the BlockFi Rewards credit card is the easiest way for you to earn Bitcoin because you get 1.5% back in Bitcoin on every card purchase, and there is no annual fee. It is the smartest way to stack sats with Bitcoin rewards on every purchase. You can also earn 2% in Bitcoin on every purchase over $50,000 of annual spend, and you can also get 3.5% back in Bitcoin during your first three months of card ownership. But please do make sure you check out the terms for this. Now, if you're interested in finding out more, then please head over to blockfi.com forward slash peter, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com forward slash P-E-T-E-R. And next up, we have Ledger, the world's most popular hardware wallet. Now, a hardware wallet allows you to take custody of your Bitcoin, and I have been a Ledger customer since way back in early 2017. And the Nano S I bought back then, yep, 
I'm still using that bad boy now. Ledger makes it easy for you to safely manage your Bitcoin using their Ledger Live software, which interfaces with your device. And you can even connect your Nano S to your Android phone to manage your Bitcoin on the go. If you want to find out more, please head over to ledger.com, which is L-E-D-G-E-R.com. Next up today, we have Gemini, who I am using exclusively for buying and selling Bitcoin, but I'm only buying. I have not sold a single sat through Gemini because we are in a bull market. And you know what? I just don't want to sell my Bitcoin. I'm a hodler. You're a hodler, right? Now, I have been using the Gemini app for buying the dips, but I also set up a DCA with twice monthly buys of Bitcoin, and I'm yet to see a better or easier interface for buying Bitcoin. With a streamlined trading view, you have access to all the tools you need to understand Bitcoin and start investing, all through one clear, attractive interface. And Gemini are now running a special offer for listeners of what Bitcoin did. All you need to do is head over to Gemini.com forward slash WBD and new customers will get $20 in Bitcoin when they trade $100 or more on Gemini. If you want to find out more, please head over to Gemini.com forward slash WBD. That is G-E-M-I-N-I.com forward slash WBD. All right, well, listen, look, next year we'll just figure it out. We'll just see what happens. I'm sure it'll be a fucking roller coaster as ever, up and down, crazy stuff happening, mad stories, more countries, more companies, who knows, man. But I'm, I'm all for the stable price. I would take a very stable price happily because I think that would be good for adoption. But then if it's good for adoption, it's going to push the price up. <laughs> but like these big swings, I'm, I'm over it now. Uh, I don't even enjoy it. Yeah, the, the upside is good, but I would sacrifice those for a more stable price. I think we can get a lot more done with a more stable price. Do you think it's getting boring? Hopefully, yeah, yes, and hopefully so. Um, but but I think uh, it's a good question. Is it getting boring? I think compared to the world of NFTs and crypto, it's boring. It does look boring. I was in um, uh, Miami when Basel was on. And it was like NFT hell. Like everywhere you went, there's people in Hawaiian shirts, like going to events in warehouses, talking about NFTs. And honestly, I fucking hated it. But at the same time, I was like, <laughs> they're having so much fun. They're like, they mm-hmm. these people are having fun. And so I think about it, I was like, do we need to have fun? Yeah, we do. But like at the same time, Bitcoin itself being boring is kind of good for Bitcoin. Do you see, do you see my conflict with this? Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd surphrase it as, you know, like you know, maybe four years and earlier ago, even like eight years ago would be even ide- more ideal. Is like you felt like you were part of something. There was a secret the world had not understood yet. And so, you know, the Bitcoin meetups were so um, engaged and you were talking about big ideas and the filter in itself where you run in there in the room with, they, they were had interesting thoughts just to even make it that far and go down the rabbit hole. And now um, the problems that Bitcoin solves, um, you know, all the stuff that we talked about eight years ago now coming to fruition. Like, and I think most of those people would not believe it's gone that far, but it, they're very much these kind of suit and tie um, problems amongst, you know, typically politicians and world banks. And um, it's, it's that geopolitical level stuff and it's it's not as engaging for the ordinary person um, it's 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 more important for the majority of the world but you know NFT stuff that's like really early and no one understands it and that's the exciting bit um, whereas Bitcoin's pretty well understood now um, 
you know, there's this financialization that which we've learned, but um, we kind of understand it very well. And mm. maybe in the Bitcoin world, it's Lightning Network. Some of the technology we don't really, you know, there's there's some amount of pathfinding there. Um, but yeah, I feel, you know, as a as a guy that got into it from the tech perspective and like curious about stuff that's not known about it, um, that's gone. You know, with that sort of subculture we had as Bitcoiners in the early phase, it was really exciting. You know, everything was like unknown and that was the, the mystery was the best bit. Um, yeah, and now it's, it's different. We're mainstream. No, different. We're mainstream. It's mainstream. It's mainstream. mainstream, right? Yeah. Are you bored? You're not bored. Well, I'm not bored. I'm not bored for a different reason. Around. Yeah, you're flying around and you're meeting presidents and making an impact. Yeah, which is cool. But I, what I think is now is like, Bitcoiners have a lot of capital, right, to do things. They can go out there mm-hmm. and do things now with their capital, like genuinely do things that were going to make a difference, that are going to make people look and go, wow, like, I don't know, buy a football club. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, like, what, what, like, there's a discussion. It's like, well, oh, you want to talk about that? Okay, cool. No, no, not yet. Like, I just like the fact that you've, you've become a baller and you bought a football club. Um, like, what makes us different from any other rich bastard that's like, you know, like, you know, every rich bastard like has a lot of leverage and everyone's just doing, you know, the same thing, which is like um, putting a dent in the world how they see fit, um, how they see fit. They, they think this is my worldview. Um, I want to make that happen. What makes us any different and what makes us better or what makes us create a better future for other people um, over, you know, the current um, plutocratic system, the other rich bastards that are, you know, changing things for better for themselves or, you know, whatnot. Yeah. Like, th- what makes it different? I don't know. Uh, hmm, what makes it different? Because we do things in a slightly more rebel, hopefully a slightly more rebel, like don't give a fuck way. So, for example, we have fuck you money, so I've got a fuck you football club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're just going to do things our way. We're going to leave that kind of imprint on the world. The, the kind of boring part is like the Bitcoin standard kind of things is that we're going to operate businesses on a, in a, in a with a different financial model, which is which is can end up becoming infectious. So, for example, I think the Michael Saylor thing is going to become infectious to other companies soon. Yeah, not now. I mean, it, it hasn't worked, but I think once he gets his like solid 5x on his billions, others are going to be like, huh. And I also think El Salvador, when El Salvador gets their 5x or they close mm-hmm. their bond, other countries are going to be looking going, huh, and like looking up to that. And I think mm-hmm. very similar like if it can take a football club and make it successful you know, based on a Bitcoin standard, other football clubs might be going, huh. So we have a chance to kind of like, whilst Bitcoin is mainstream, I think it's, it's awareness is mainstream. It's usage isn't, you know, but I think it's awareness is entirely mainstream. You don't meet people now who haven't heard of Bitcoin. Everyone's heard of it. You know, but the, the, the chasm is people understanding it and wanting to use it themselves, kind of taking that, Flick, you know, flipping that switch and going, okay, I'm on a, I'm going to go on a low time preference. That's yeah, and that's going to come from stories of people who've done it, like the Michael Saylors, the the Bukele's. People are going to see that, and that's when it's exciting, when it like really starts to take over. Yeah, I think you're right with that. I mean, everyone I've seen that has 
Well, not actually. There's two types of people. The types that get, you know, orange pilled and go down the rabbit hole and then they come out as Austrian economics um, <laughs> educated um, people that, you know, try to educate others. Um, and then there's the others that just hold it because it's an investment. Um, I have a lot of family that does that, you know, and they don't really care. Right? They haven't changed their minds on anything. Um, and so I think a lot of, it might be different, you know, like um, maybe only um, 95, 5% of the people like figure it out and the rest are 95%. So, oh, okay, we're on a Bitcoin standard. That's just like a new kind of money and um, I'll, I change to that, you know. Like, like we're just exposed to the early phase where people um, came on board, had to understand what it is and then they sort of had this economic awakening. <laughs> Um, and you see that even like from the, the younger generation, like, whoa, this is how the world works. Oh my God, you know, but like, just, you know, a lot of people that just like, oh, but I have a little Bitcoin. Uh, it doesn't mean anything other than investment. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's actually, I think, the majority of um, people, because like, what is it? That's like, um, if you go onto crypto Twitter, you know, like, Plan B, well, 1.5 million users, uh, followers. Um, you know, like top guys in, in crypto are around the one to two million followers. And the numbers are currently between 150 and 200 million um, that have exposure to Bitcoin. So it's really like 1% uh, what you see on crypto Twitter. The rest have probably just got exposure and they're like, that's fine. They get on for their day jobs. So we're really in a very distorted bubble here um, of thought, um, you know. So just, just I think that um, how we think about things and what matters to us is not really the 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 real um, you know consensus of what the entire crowd are thinking. Um. Hmm. Well, I think we have a lot of fun now. I think. Uh... I think I think we have to go out as Bitcoiners. We have to we have to kind of control the narrative of it as well. We like you like you say it's boring. I think we have to we have to like possibly try and make it fun again. We have to want people to be excited about this. <laughs> the 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 technology and thinking about the future is getting boring, but the fuck off money is getting fun. Like yeah. you and your football team and X Y Z with their super yacht or <laughs> yeah. um, you know like what, you know, what so it was I like. It was like when Eric Weinstein said to me when I did the interview, it's like, what? He said, I like believing you guys. Like, you you were the ones I could get behind. Like, but what are you doing? It's all laser, laser eyes and Lambos. Like, what are you doing? Like, get out he there. He was and do really, something. really bored with the conversation. He wanted to talk about big things. And yeah. all we wanted to talk about was Austrian economics. And, um, like, shit, he understood, but he wanted new original creative thought. Mm. Right? And he was scared that this, this cohort would not um like you know we're very good at chaos we're rebels we're very good at chaos but um you know saying saying what are you going to build <laughs> you know cut with the chaos and tearing shit down what are you going to build and like we don't have an answer with all that actually we have an answer with you know the economics and what's wrong with the world and i have yet to see a bitcoin citadel like that's the thing i want to see I'm like, going, I mean, that's going to be mayhem. You've got a bunch of anarchists practically wanting to build something. And so, like, I, I think, um, I, I, yeah, it's unproven whether or not, we're, like, I think that the economics um, 
are, fine, are, are good. They're better than what we've currently had. Um, but as far as um, how we think about the world and building something, yet to be unproven. Like it's not it's not been proven yet. And like now that there's the fuck off money on the table, it's like what's going to happen now? Um, yeah, like so. Jack Mollers has done something pretty cool, right? Like he's building. He's building shit, right? It's great. Mm. Um, he's making shit happen. You know, he's taking on the yeah. institutions. Yeah, well, maybe it's like this: um, the the younger generation, the Gen Zs, that are like going to take this and actually build something out of it. And we should just shut up. <laughs> well, we need more Jack Mallers, but he's created a fuck you company, and I love it. I'm here for Jack, man. Everything. And do you know what? Well, not just him. Jack Dorsey. This last week, he's been on fucking fire. Have you been following him on Twitter? Oh yeah, he's great. He's like like shitting on VCs being blocked yeah. by A sixteen Z and and whatnot. Like, what was it? Like even C Z was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like we're building a decentralized future and funding things ourselves with whatever it was. And and he just replied words. <laughs> right? <laughs> just words. It's he, just words. He is out there with a fucking machine gun spraying fire at everyone. And I love it. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, is this now because he's like out of the Twitter position? Like he can do Must that? Be. Or he, did he quit because he wanted to be unleashed and he wanted to go full board um, Bitcoin, right? Which he could do with um, Square slash Blocks. Um, but like, um, yeah, maybe that was it. It just affords a freedom. Um, Look, he's been unleashed. <laughs> He has been yeah, unleashed. 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 And, and then Twitter's gone and accepted Ethereum. So it's no longer maximalist. Um, yep. And it's gone. Like, hey, it's not really Bitcoin talk, but like you see a lot of people ban- being banned and whatnot. And so, like, I guess I kind of wonder whether or not the, the, the speech platform for Bitcoin uh, will stay on Twitter. Um, I guess it has to because. There's no way Bitcoiners would ever support a decentralized Twitter because it would have a token involved. Well, isn't isn't Jack building one with Blue Sky? Is he? Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he is. I think Blue Sky is like new decentralized Twitter, which I can't wait to see what they're actually Whoa, doing. Oh, okay. That, that, that actually, um, I mean, he's about one of the few that would have a shot at doing this because, um, you know, well, he'll bring people across. Yeah, exactly. And I think if there's enough outrage over Twitter. Um, I and think he's the, being, yeah. Well, I just think the problem is what it is like. I think fighting against shit coins is it's almost a losing battle right now. Like, I, I get the principles; I have them too, and absolutely support it. But these 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 things aren't going away. Like Ethereum isn't going away. Solano isn't going away. These things are here now, and they're being used. And I'm like, how much energy am I wasting, f- you know, fighting these people when I really could focus my energy on just promoting Bitcoin? You know, just accept. Look, I mean, half my listeners probably own shitcoin. It's fine. Whatever. As long as they push, as long as they support Bitcoin and you promote Bitcoin. We don't want to get lost as just like, when you say boring, it does make me think, well, do we just get lost as being boring? Does that mean we can't like be effective? You know, do, do we want everyone to be in this like cool club? Uh, you know, like, I, I don't think um, there's a very, I don't know of one Bitcoiner. Like, I don't know of one Bitcoin maximalist that has not done shitcoins, uh, not one. So you could say they're all hypocrites, or um, some of them say, yeah, yeah, I shitcoin, or well, I have, um, but not one. Like, everyone shitcoins. Um, I'm not a maximalist. I, I hold shitcoins, um, where well, I trade them at least. Um, so 
Um, I think there's a hypo- hypocrisy amongst um, maximalists and then we're, oh, we're very, you know, this and that and we're, we're defending it and this and that. And uh, I don't, yeah, I agree. I, I said, what, what are you defending against? Um, you defend against um, people to have their own free will to, um, do you want to create a nanny state? Um, do you want to say that's right and that's wrong and not let people make up their own minds? Do you want to protect them from getting wrecked? Because getting wrecked is part of the education. Yeah. Um, and some of the stuff is they make shit piles, right? And some of the yeah. stuff um, is useful, actually. Like, I know Ethereum gets a lot of, like, bullshit about, like, it just, you know, it's a platform for creating scams. But actually, there's a few useful useful apps there, um, you know. And, you know, some of the stuff like, is fun, right? Like the the gaming, the crypto kitties, that's <laughs> just fun experiments. Um, so, like, um, and those experiments you learn just as much as being scammed and being rugged, you learn. Um, we're learning about how to build smart contracts that are like, well, the stuff is really un- <laughs> it's not very safe. And um, But I think we've learned a lot in DeFi. Um, I think we've learned a lot with the Ethereum ecosystem. I think a lot of money has been scammed. A lot of money has been lost. But they're just learning um, experiments. And um, we had the same thing in Bitcoin. We had... Um, people losing, um, well, one-eighth of all the Bitcoins were stolen at Mt. Gox alone. There's all sorts of scams that run on Bitcoin. Um, and we had to learn all of that through the past 10, past 10 years. And now Bitcoin is saying, don't do that shit. You'll get scammed, which is honorable. But um, I think there's, there's, there's um, the technologies that are being um, explored are, are valid. Um, they are valid and they add to the ecosystem. And even from my perspective, looking at the economic side of it is it's it's a much richer um, economic system with shitcoins. Like the liquidity base is great when you can buy and sell like, you know, maybe 50 or 100 um, leading altcoins. Um, you can do some really interesting financial instruments by compositing them together. Uh, it's... Yeah, it's cool. It's like, you know, you can build a yield vehicles um, because now you've got 200, well, thousands, but let's say 200 that are useful um, markets that are highly volatile and relatively inefficient. So you can come and do um, sort of arbitrage trades to get like yield from it. And like now you've got um, players like Celsius, BlockFi, um, many more that uh, giving consumers retail access to getting a ten percent um, return on their US dollars when you can't get that from a bank, um, and effectively they're leveraging um, like all of the crypto markets, including all the inefficiencies that you can close through arbitrage, market making, all sorts of stuff, um, to to close all the gaps, make it much more of a mature market, and everybody sort of gets gets these things that are on offer in this world, which the banks certainly aren't offering you. Um, like, what do you do in a world when the money is being printed at 25% per annum and you've got no hope of getting more than, like, a fraction of 1% interest? Um, so, like, like, if we were to nuke all shitcoins, um, you'll probably find, you know, these kind of BlockFi loans, they, the yields start to drop out, you know, um, because these emerging markets, which are first exploring new technologies and therefore they're very volatile, 
the, 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 the exploration is lost and the volatility, which of an emerging market creates um, an opportunity for efficiency to be made and um, the ordinary person to get this kind of gain. Um, mm. So I think it's it's a great thing. Um, I don't like scams, but we're, we're uh, meant to be sovereign and self-responsible in this ecosystem. So yeah. fine. Um, so what are your plans for 2022 then, Winnie? What's going on, man? Um, me, uh, well, I'm in Hong Kong here. I'm, I'm looking to get out of here just to travel and see. You know, I'd love to. I haven't been to a Bitcoin conference in, what, 18 months, two years? You're going to come to um, Miami? I'd love to. but Come like, to Miami, man. We'll be happy the next one because I won't be out of here by then. Um, it's April. But Is it? I thought yeah. it was earlier. No, it's mm, April. Okay. If it works, it works. That'd be great. Um, Man, I would love to see it. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, I'm working on, I'm, I'm much more focused on funds now, um, involved in three funds. And now, like, you know, like my thing has always been democratization. Like even the, the newsletter I run is like, wow, you've got all these, um, you know, a lot of data and a lot of like quantitative researchers and they're privy to the institutional world and the leader was this thing was like okay um, $50 a month you can get access to uh, you know institutional grade analysis um, but they're now I'm like thinking we're I've got a project on where I want to like um, get um, access to some of the better investments um, that only the high net worth get access to and um, restructure it um, these regulatory structures you can go through to um, allow retail to get access to it. Um, so I'm, I'm quite interested in seeing where that goes. Like, I'm going to create a, a fund that's open to retail. Um, nice. So it's highly regulated. Um, but we can, with that, let, actually, I'm going to flip it so that high net worth can't get access. I'm going to cap, uh, cap it and then... Um, effectively create vehicles for kind of the Gen Zs who've been locked out of everything because houses are so expensive, everything's so expensive. Like just cap it so that it's useful for them and they can get some crazy high yields, but um, like not for the high net worth. Um, I, I'm interested in doing stuff like that right now. So next year is probably, that's going to be my core focus. Um, and uh, yeah, so... You know, everything that was learnt in 2021 will be applied in 2022. Um, this financialization of the markets, um, I think, um, learnt enough to start to do some interesting things here. Amazing, man. Well, listen, it's been a good year. I've been, I've enjoyed our monthly chats and I've, I've, I've enjoyed it when we get away from talking about price. I, I like talking about everything else with you. I know it pisses off the listeners, but fuck them. I, I like it. I like it, man. I like it. <laughs> Haven't been cancelled yet, right? <laughs> uh, I was really, I was like, oh, this is great. It's like uh, the first time I haven't had to jump on and talk about price. But I don't mind that, right? Because that's what I do. But um, yeah, it's like all this other stuff. But we got, we got to, we got to do one in person, man. We got to do exactly, one with a bottle of whiskey, yeah. bottle of whiskey exactly. sit across the table, <laughs> talk shit for a couple of hours. That's what I want to do. I got to do one with Lynn in person recently, and that was awesome. But we got to find a time next year, man. We got to do this. Okay, well, I'll see you in the US, or maybe I'll come over to into the to, to Bedford. Come to Bedford. To Bedford. Okay, to, to Bedford. Bedford. You know, yeah, like yeah. You know, be for the Bitcoin. Um, 
come, um, football team. <laughs> come, you know, come, come watch and play. Yeah, why not? Um, Let's get you over. Okay. Well, listen, Willie, have All a right. wicked Christmas. Have a great new year. Appreciate you so much, man. Appreciate all these shows. Peace out. Best, best love. Everything to the fam and see you soon. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Um, see you in the new year. Okay, thanks for listening to What Bitcoin Did. If you want to get in touch, you want to reach out to me, the best thing to do is head over to my Telegram channel or you can hit me up on my email, which is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. And if you want to support the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. Okay, see you all very, very soon.